You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 985 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you deep into the night here on a Monday into Tuesday. And today's show is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS app store or find one of our Locked on Rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. Today's podcast will focus on what became a very nice win for the Hawks at home over the Blazers on this fine Monday. A three-point bonanza for Atlanta with 20 makes from beyond the arc in this game. That obviously helps, but they play pretty well in this spot. And now the Hawks are 36-30 and 30 on the season. They beat a red-hot Blazers team, and they have a schedule that's pretty favorable down the stretch. So a very, very positive night for Atlanta on the whole. Before we get to the game itself, some pregame stylings here at the top. A back-to-back for the Blazers, that's, that definitely helped things. McMillan mentioned that after the game as well, that Portland's kind of lost their legs potentially in the second half of this game. A tough uh, little trip for them going from Boston to Atlanta. But, as I said a second ago, the Blazers have been, actually been red hot. They've won their last four games in a row. The rest edge is definitely nice for, for, for the Hawks after not having to travel as well. That's a positive, but still a, a very nice situation here for Atlanta. The Hawks lost by six, actually, to Portland back in January. That was a long time ago, though. Lots of different roster stuff almost four months ago when they matched it the first time. But Portland's defense is one of the worst in the NBA. They are good offensively, that's for sure, and that was uh, sort of played out in this game. Uh, Both teams did not get a ton of stops. The Hawks got more of them and ended up scoring at a pretty high clip for the game. Uh, Injury-wise, another nice night for Atlanta in terms of their baseline this season. The Hawks only missed two guys in this spot, and that was Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter. Tony Snell was questionable originally, with the right ankle sprain that he suffered on Saturday, then he was actually removed altogether from the injury report. And then Madonimich was probable and ended up playing in this game. Hunter, by the way, has missed 45 of the last 47 games, including the last 22 in a row. I played some audio on the podcast over the weekend from McMillan on his status, but nothing's changed since then. I recommend listening to that little snippet from McMillan over the weekend, but uh, nothing else has been put out there from the Hawks side, and Reddish remains out as well. Um, also on the injury front, Kevin Herter is off the injury report, but he actually spoke to the media on Monday afternoon, sort of during the shoot-around portion. He said his shoulder is a, quote, still a work in progress, end quote, and he's getting rehab every day on it, but the doctors are positive about it, something he can play through. So he's not listed. I, I don't think he's 100% necessarily, but that's something I want to at least keep an eye on in the coming days. And on the Blazers' side, they were basically healthy in this game. Norm Powell was questionable, but ended up playing, and only Zach Collins, who's not played at all this year, was on their injury report. So... The Hawks were two and a half point favorites, according to our friends at Betonline.ag coming into this game. So if you factor everything in, Portland and Atlanta, you know, essentially Vegas is saying those, those teams are pretty pretty close together. But the Hawks were at home and obviously had the rest advantage as well. So a slight favorite, and they ended up covering that game, covering that game pretty close, uh, pretty uh, comfortably, I should say, at the end here. So we'll dive into the game now. Ironically, it was kind of a slow start, which seems crazy given the, the stats in this game. But it was three to two. After almost three minutes of play. So, you know, the the Hawks put Tony Snell and Damian Lillard at the outset. They did a pretty good job defensively in the opening minutes, and the Hawks kind of started slow. But, kind of on cue, there was an offensive barrage. It was 27 combined points between the Hawks and the Blazers in about three minutes after that to sort of erase any idea of a slow start offensively. There were some turnovers early on. Trey Young had three, actually, in the first four minutes or so. McMillan was a little bit frustrated by that, but the Hawks did make a bunch of threes early and often to sort of counteract that 
in a lot of different ways. Um, the, Hawks, the Hawks were actually down um, at the first media timeout. It was 17-15. They had a 7-0 run after that. Uh, a good ATO play to get Collins in the post on Covington. And then he scored. Tony Snell had a three, his second one already of the night. And the Hawks had five threes in the first nine minutes with Bogdanovich Mitch and Snell kind of getting loose in the early going. Um, Herter and Hill were the first subs. That was a little bit of a change from the previous rotation. Uh, Solomon Hill played the four originally there next to Collins. Then he actually slid to the three moments moments later with Gallinari and Okongo coming in the game. The Hawks did use that entire bench unit again a couple times in this game. Two mixed results. It was not as good in the first half. It ended up working out very well in the second half of this game. The Hawks ended up closing the first quarter on a leak-out dunk by Solomon Hill, um, the noted athletic freak Solomon Hill in, in, transition, in transition to go up by one at the end of the first. Uh, a lot of offense to be sure. The, the pace is pretty fast, which I, I think the Hawks have not been playing very fast recently, but it was kind of frenetic in the first half. But Badovich had 11 points. Hawks played pretty, pretty well offensively. And to do all that with Trey Young, he actually did not score in the first quarter, which is uh, notable in itself. Um, in the second quarter, they brought Capella back to start the second quarter off, and uh, that was sort of a, sh- a short stint for a Kongwu. There was definitely some rotational tweaks in terms of the deployment here. The headliner, though, is a 10-minute rotation in this game. No Chris Dunn. We'll come back to that later on on the podcast with McMillan's thoughts on the rotation, but lots of back-and-forth, back-and-forth, back-and-forth stuff by everyone. The Hawks went to this very offensive first lineup in the middle of the second quarter. They went to Young, Williams, Bogdanovich, Gallinari, and Colin, which is about as offense first as they can get, honestly. And they actually had not gone to Young and Williams at all together on Saturday. That was a little bit of a change. It was the only time that actually happened in this game, but uh, noteworthy nonetheless. And then Gallinari and Madonovich teamed up to hit three threes in about 80 seconds to give the Hawks a four-point lead. Um, that was the fifth three in the first 11 minutes for Madonovich, which is pretty wild. He was very hot in the first half of this contest. Um, the Hawks led by as many as six down the stretch. Actually, Portland cut it down to one, but then the Hawks closed out very well. While Donovich hitting, hitting a three on the final possession to go up by six again at the half. Bogey had 23 points in the first half. That was his season high for a half and just shy of his career high for a half. Actually, that's only 24 points, so that was uh, obviously scolding. But even beyond that, seven of nine from three in the first half. A career high for any half for, for Bogdanovich was seven threes. And obviously, you know, no one made seven threes in a half, so... That was a show put on by Bogey in the first half. And as a team, the Hawks hit 10 threes. They actually had 20 assists in the first half, which is the only second time this this season they've had 20 assists at the half. So um, lots of good passing, lots of good shooting. Kind of up and down half for Trey Young. He ended up did have he did have six assists, but had five turnovers. Uh, kind of a mixed bag there. Capella was pretty quiet as well. Defensively, it was not very good before halftime. But uh, the offense, you know, and I'll, I would say more specifically the shooting kind of led them to uh, be able to stabilize even without the greatest defensive performance in the first half. Okay, before we get to the second half and much more, a word from our sponsor on today's podcast, and the first of which is Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or your favorite sport. Locker Room is a perfect place to start and join conversations about the league, and you'll find fans just like you on Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, of course, reacting to all the biggest news and rumors. You can even find lots on hosts across MLB, NBA, and the NHL, including some of our big-name folks. In fact, I know for a fact the Hollinger Dunkin' Podcast has been on there, um, recording live and then sharing that on their podcast platform. All kinds of our hosts are up and down the channels. You can find them in the Locked On Rooms, and you definitely should go ahead and check that out now. In fact... Go download the free Locker Room app, currently available on all iOS devices, and be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join 
any of the conversations about the NFL, MLB, and NHL, in addition to the NBA, for all the latest league updates. I know you'll find incredible rooms about your favorite teams in your leagues, and I'll be sure to let you know once there are even more rooms going on for the Locked On team. Download the Locker Room app today. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. All right, with the exception of, of Bogdanovich, I would say, uh, basically everyone else was better in the second half of this contest, including the Hawks on the whole. Um, Trey started out very well with the first bucket on a floater and then found John Collins for a three. So the Hawks led by 11 out of the gate in the third quarter. There was a, a bit of a swing towards Portland uh, that came right after Trey kind of went for like almost a dagger, not a full-blown dagger in the third quarter, but sort of one of those um, you know 30-foot logo pull-ups that he's prone to do every once in a while. It rounded in and out. He missed that. It would have put the Hawks up by 15 points. It was not the best shot in the world, let's just say. But from there, Portland wakes up. They scored eight points on the next three, three possessions. And suddenly the league goes from what could have been 15 down to four in a hurry. And during that stretch, Collins got his fourth foul. So all bad for about three minutes there. Um, and in fact, it was a 13-2 to overall run by the Blazers to cut the lead down to one. So the Hawks never lost the lead, but it got a little bit dicey middle of the third quarter. The Hawks didn't score. That was their one sort of drought in the second half as well. But uh, from there, Gallinari got hot. So it was in the first half, it was Bogdanovich. Second half, it was Gallinari who hit three threes in about three minutes or so. Uh, Lillard and McCollum kept pace on their own, but Gallinari hit the last three, put them up by seven points late in the quarter. It was an 11-2 run overall by the Hawks, put them up by 10. And then Portland did score last, cut down to seven, but still. Um, they actually played Young and Capella the entire third quarter, which I think was totally reasonable. The Hawks were cooking at the end of the period. Um, Hawks made seven threes. Trey had six assists in the third quarter. He was really good as a facilitator slash, you know, guy setting the table offensively. So I understood that decision, but obviously it makes your rotation a little bit interesting because you have to sit those guys at some point, which they ended up doing in the fourth. But the Hawks were basically scoring about 1.35 points per possession through three quarters, which is a ton. They cooled off in the fourth eventually, but uh, that kind of is indicative of how good they were offensively in this entire game. Uh, in the fourth... They went to this full bench unit again, which has not been very good recently, um, but it was very good in this stretch, mostly because of Gallinari. So a 14-4 run by the Hawks to open the fourth quarter to go up by 17. That was a huge swing in the game, obviously, because anytime you can make a run like that with your bench on the floor and you're the Hawks who have been good with the starters, um, that's a that's a massive thing. Gallinari is such a luxury off the bench. He was so good in this stretch. Um, that prompted a timeout by the Blazers um, down 15 with 6.30 to go. I was surprised McMillan stuck with the bench for one extra, like, two-minute stint. It didn't burn them, but it kind of could have. They had one bad turnover from Lou Williams. They had a couple of uh, little iffy plays, but Portland missed a couple shots that would make it more interesting. Gallo then hit a wild three-corner going to his left at the top of the key. They put them back up by 18. That was probably the dagger, and then Trey got a bucket to go by 20 with five minutes to go. And at that point, there was a timeout, and they called off the dogs, Portland did. Ironically... The third unit, basically, for Portland, a bunch of bench guys who don't play, made kind of a charge in the last couple minutes. They got the lead down to nine with about two, I would say about a minute and a half to go, probably something like that. And the Hawks were still playing their starters, so they kind of let off the gas pedal a little bit. It was just never really in doubt, and uh, that's what settled it at the nine-point mark that they won this game by. So, offensively, obviously, a heck of a night for Atlanta. They ended up scoring about 1.25 points per, per, points per possession, which is obviously awesome. Again, I will give the caveat, Portland entered this game number, sorry, second worst in the league in defensive rating, and only the Kings, who right now, by the way, have the worst defensive rating in the history of the NBA, are worse than the Blazers. So the Blazers defensively are not good. With that said, the Hawks still score more than they normally would give up, and uh, they were really good shot-making-wise in this game. So 
32 assists, that's a ton, obviously. 23s, that's not a franchise record or anything, but certainly one of the higher marks of the franchise history, three-point range. And as I said um, a couple different times, uh, I think on Twitter, but the first time in Hawks history that two players made seven threes or more in the same game. Only only the 16th time in NBA history that, that, that has ever happened with two guys making seven threes. So shouts to those guys, and we'll come back, we'll come back to them in, in the individual portion of the podcast. But lots of shooting, and uh, that ended up being the biggest difference. The Hawks shoot 67% true shooting in this game, 20 of 41 from three, uh, 52% from the floor. 15 of 18 from, from, free, from free throw line as well. So no weaknesses really offensively at all. Ball security was fine. 11 turnovers is just okay, but uh, not, nothing great or devastating. Rebounding was not a huge strength for the Hawks in the way that it often is. But when you make a ton of shots, it's hard to get offensive rebounds. So they held their own on that end of the floor and uh, just kind of did what they needed to do. Um, defensively, it was a mixed bag, we'll say. So in the first half, I thought it was pretty bad. For most of the way, again, Portland's pretty good on offense, too. They're like top five or six offense in the league, so no shame in giving, giving up some points to them. But there were some breakdowns along the way, and I think it was fair to say defensively it was not a great half. But McMillan did talk about the second half kind of unpro- – I actually asked him about the defense after the game, and he said the second half was better. I agree with that. The numbers weren't fantastic after halftime, but some of that was garbage time with the Portland run late. And even then, it was notably better, I thought, just with the eye test. And also, Portland shot 44% from the floor in the second half, so that's much better than what it was in the first half. So, um, not an A-plus defensive game by any means. I think I think Capello was like pretty ordinary for his recent standard in this spot, um, as just one example. But they didn't really need to get a ton of stops, and they ended up getting just enough to get the secure win in this game. Uh, before we get to the individual breakdowns and some standings breakdowns as well, a word from our sponsors on the podcast, and the first of which is rockauto.com. One key reason to repair and maintain your own car is to save money. You can use it for other important things like paying the mortgage or paying for food or whatever else you want to use it for. And honestly, why would you want to pay more money for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership when you instead can use rockauto.com? RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything you need from engine control modules and brake pads to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet, whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver. Get everything you need, just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. And best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always low and they're always the same for pros and do-it-yourselfers, so why spend twice as much for the exact same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. When you get there, you want to write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends at betonline.ag. Baseball is in full swing right now, and you can track all the action and much, much more at betonline.ag. BetOnline is both the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Get all the latest news, odds, and information for all of your sporting needs, including the NBA, of course, with MLB, NHL, UFC, golf, soccer, tennis, auto racing, entertainment bets, and much, much more. BetOnline also has all of the props and future bets you could possibly want, and they offer live wagering options on a ton of events, which can add a lot of intrigue when you're watching any game. Before the next pitch or dribble, head over to BetOnline.ag on your laptop or mobile device. You can check out the news, contest information, and sign-up bonuses right now. Take this chance to get off the sidelines and take your opportunity to get into the game as teams prepare for the run to the playoffs. If you visit betonline.ag right now, you can sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with BetOnline. That is a 50% bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code LOCKEDON. One more time, that is promo code LOCKEDON, 50% more in a welcome bonus with betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. 
So before we get to the guys who actually did play in this game, uh, I want to play some audio for you from Nate McMillan about the rotation. So in pregame, this is again from pregame on Monday, I asked McMillan about how much he wants to go into the rotation, like depth-wise, how many guys he wants to play, basically. So I'm going to play the audio for you now. It's my question, and here's what McMillan had to say. Again, this is before the game on Monday. I know you have not had all of your healthy bodies a lot this season, but now that you're getting closer to that, do you have an idea of how deep you want to go in games, like what, how deep your rotation needs to be when it, white lights come on later in the season? You know, we'll play pretty much whatever uh, we need to play. You know, I think a comfortable rotation is normally nine, uh, nine guys, uh, possibly 10 guys, uh, but it's tough to, you know, play 10, 11 guys, you know, for us, I've always been comfortable with the nine, uh, nine and a half man rotation. So, uh, you know, once we get healthy uh, and we're pretty much pretty healthy, we're missing, you know, one or two guys right now. Um, we'll go with, the, you know, nine, 10, whatever it takes to, uh, you know, make sure that we are the aggressive team out on the floor. Not a surprising answer necessarily, but noteworthy for sure, because with relative health coming into play now for the Hawks, knock on wood, they have more than nine or 10 guys available that they can play. And this is the point I've been making for the last week or two even now is that, you know, some guys who've been playing kind of can't from this point forward. I don't know who that's going to be, but it's definitely in flux. But, and McMillan said this before, but I wanted to at least play you what he said on this occasion. So that's a primer now to talk about the post game because Chris Dunn did not play at all in this game. It was a 10 man rotation. Um, playing 10 is not terribly surprising, but the Hawks kind of have 11 right now guys who have been playing consistently if you factor in Chris Dunn. And obviously he's been out for most of the season, but you would think he'd be kind of in that mix. And that's without Hunter, of course. So they, this is now the second game in a row that Dunn has not played. Saturday he didn't play. It was back-to-back. There was some mystery there as to whether it was injury-related or maintenance-related, even though he's on the injury report. But again, I'll say this now. You know, If there was ever a game on paper that you would want to use Chris Dunn, it would be to stop Damian Lillard, or at least try to, or CJ McCollum even. But, to, you know, Portland's very based on their small guards in the perimeter, which is kind of what Dunn's specialty is. So to not play him in this game was eyebrow-raising in some respect. But at the same time, he's kind of on the outset, sorry, outside looking in, it seems, on the rotation. So anyway, with all that said, after the game, Sarah Spencer of the AJC asked about Chris Dunn not playing. And I wanted to play you the response from McMillan. So here's that. With Chris Dunn, are you just kind of, has he had any setbacks or is it just kind of something where he needs to kind of gradually um, work his way back up to playing? No, it's just a numbers game. You know, we have guys who are now healthy. Uh, you know, our guards are, are, are healthy now and it's just a numbers game. It's, we're going to go, I'm going to go with Lou and Kevin in the backcourt and, uh, you know, Solo and, and Tony are the guys who are playing the wing position with Gallo. So it's just a numbers game. It's, uh, he's fine. On one hand, you could clearly argue that Dunn may not be one of their best 10 um, at his current level. He's not played this season, obviously, and he kind of had a rough offensive start in his first couple games back. On the flip side, I would have tried Dunn in this game, if only because this is kind of why you want Chris Dunn. Um, it's not a game that I'm not like outraged by it, but I think if you were going to see him play again in the rotation this year, it would have been a good time to go ahead and do that. So I would have done it. Um, I'm not too bothered by it, but there you go on that. That's kind of the explanation. So it doesn't mean that Dunn will never play again, but it seems like if this is the group they have, the 10 guys who play tonight might be the 10 guys that we see sort of on a normal basis the next few games. So their decisions to make with Hunter, especially if he comes back, 
um, rotationally, matchup-wise in the playoffs. They might even cut down to nine, as you heard in the previous answer. McMillan seems to want nine is kind of the number that you would picture with him in the playoffs. So that's even one more cut they'd have to make from this 10 that played tonight. But that's kind of that. People were asking me about the game, about this after the game, during the game, about, about Dunn not playing. So that's McMillan's side. Again, I would have tried it, but um, there you go on that. Okay. To the guys who actually did play in this spot. And the Hawks actually never got to their garbage time lineup because uh, the elite was kind of slipping away. So, 10 guys played. Akongu played the least. Nine minutes. Two points, two rebounds, and assists. He was plus seven. Uh, he was okay. It's a bad matchup for him in a lot of ways. You know, him play against Nurkic and Cantor is not ideal. Those guys are uh, much bigger than him. And I thought he was okay. He played well defensively, I thought. And especially in the second half stint. But uh, kind of a quiet night for a Kongwu overall. Um, Solomon Hill had a couple of big shots. He was actually three three from the floor and one of one from three. Three rebounds and two assists. Defensively, he got cooked a little bit by Lillard in a switch at one point. A couple times that he's not great. I mean, that's kind of the thing that looks shaky. Is then if you're playing um, a guy like uh, Hill at the three, you're going to get him isoed against Lillard or McCollum, and that's not going to go well, very very well compared to Chris Dunn. So the counter would be maybe you want to play Dunn even off the ball, but alas, here we are. Um, Lou Williams, 15, 15 minutes, he was actually pretty quiet. I thought he was not great in the first half in particular. Better after halftime, four points, five assists, was plus 10 as the bench was uh, very good in the fourth quarter. Um, two of eight from the floor, though, oh of one from three, so not his best necessarily. Kevin Herter, also a similar story. He was okay, um, but didn't shoot great. He was uh, only two of five on twos and oh of three on threes. Five assists, four rebounds, had four points and a steal, and was plus eight in 20 minutes. So he played a lot less than he has played at times this year. They were riding with Young, Young and Bogdanovich in particular, and then Gallinari down the stretch. So keep an eye on that. But Hunter was, uh, sorry, Herter was okay. He just didn't shoot great in this game. And then Gallinari was the star of the bench for sure. 28 points, a game high for the Hawks. Um, and second one to Lillard in the entire game. Eight rebounds, two assists, two steals, and a block for Gallo. 9 of 15 from the floor, 7 of 10 from 3, 3 4 from the free throw line. And by the way, Gallinari had 28 points in this game. He didn't score in the fourth, sorry, in the first quarter. So 28 points in the final three quarters, 21 points after the halftime break. He was really cooking, uh, had it all going, and uh, it's fun to see him cook when he has it. So plus 5, you know, Gallo had his ups and downs defensively for sure in the first half, but when he shoots like that, uh, you can't really argue. He was uh, fantastic in the second half and was their biggest reason why they were able to sort of pull away at times. To the starters in this game, John Collins, because Gallinari was hot and because Collins had four fouls, he ended up playing 19 minutes. And that was kind of fluky because I'm sure they were going to bring him back in. Uh, he sat he sat early in the third with the fourth foul, which is the right decision in a lot of ways. But with Gallo cooking and they wanted to have Capella back out there, they were ne- they just kind of never got back to Collins, which I understood. It wasn't like that was uh, bothersome to me. I thought he was actually quite good when he played 15 points, 8 rebounds in 19 minutes. That's obviously great. It speaks for itself. Um, was aggressive defensively, but actually had the, had the best plus minus of the starters at pl- as plus eight. So um, this is not exactly a situation where he was punished for not playing well. I thought he was quite good. They just kind of rode with Gallinari because he was so hot. So I could see all sides there, but I thought Collins was like capital G good when he played in this game. Tony Snell, six points, three rebounds, uh, made both of his three-point attempts, as he always seems to do, which is crazy. I made sort of the tongue-in-cheek joke about Tony Snell being the greatest living shooter. Uh, he is still just r- ridiculous as, as a shooter this year. But the, the volume is so low that, you know, whatever. But defensively, he played reasonably well on Lillard and McCollum. Gives him some length and a different look on those guys. I thought Capello was quiet for him. He wasn't terrible by any means, but 11 points, 10 rebounds, had two blocks and a steal. 
Um, f- only five shot attempts. They didn't really emphasize him offensively. I think defensively, he was not particularly effective in the first half. You know, even not partic- not not effective for him is still like pretty solid, but not a game changer in the way that he often is this year. It's a bad matchup for him in some ways because of uh, the perimeter attack for Portland. But I thought he did a, a decent job taking away the rim at times. Uh, Trey Young. 21 and 11 for Trey. Um, he was quite early and didn't shoot the ball great in this game. Missed uh, 10, uh, actually 5 of 10 on 2, which is totally fine, but 1 of 6 on 3s. Um, 8 of 8 from the free throw line, so it was still reasonably efficient despite the shaky shooting from the perimeter. But 11 assists, lots of uh, highlight passes, 6 rebounds. Turnovers were better in the second half. I thought he calmed down and was much better. I think the facilitation of the third quarter in particular was good for for Trey. So sort of a mixed bag, but still a very productive, solid game for him overall. And then Madonovich, it was a tale of two halves. Like first half, he was just lights out, 23 points. Um, quite out, quite out after halftime, but still seven threes. Um, he's still just been red hot for so long from three-point range that it's uh, almost comical how many times I've said the same thing. But uh, three-point numbers have just been off the charts for about a month plus now. And uh, we'll leave it there for now. Um, you know, again, last thought on the game itself. The Hawks didn't have to win this game, quote unquote, but it was a big one to get this win uh, against a pretty good opponent. Yeah, they were they were on a back to back, but the Hawks weren't. But still, the Hawks were only a modest favorite to win this game. Sort of going away is a very very nice performance overall, and six more games to go. So the standings, as we speak, the Knicks won tonight in Memphis, so they keep pace with the Hawks. Um, Boston, Miami, and Charlotte were all off on Monday, so. At the moment, when I'm recording this Monday night into Tuesday, the Hawks are one and a half games behind the Knicks. The Knicks have one extra game. They have seven games left. They have a pretty tough schedule, actually, so that's still attainable. The problem there, though, is that the Knicks have the tiebreaker over the Hawks, so you have to beat them, not just tie them. So you're going to need the Knicks to come back a little bit to get the four seed, but um, you know, getting to that 4-5 spot would be just fine anyway for the Hawks. Um, elsewhere, a half game lead on Miami for the Hawks. They do, they do have the tiebreaker against the Heat and the Celtics, and they're one and a half ahead of the Celtics right now as we speak. They're four ahead of the of the Hornets um, without the tiebreaker, so you you know still kind of have that cushion regardless of six games to go. The Hawks would have to have quite an implosion to have Charlotte come into play here, but the big thing is um, staying ahead of Miami and Boston as we've been talking about for the last little while here. So in, in, in a good spot, obviously the toughest game remaining on the schedule comes up on Wednesday against the Suns. Um, on the positive side, the Suns are on a back-to-back. They play Tuesday. So that is fortunate scheduling, and the Hawks will have to travel again. So kind of a similar spot to tonight. Phoenix is better than Portland. Um, and I think Phoenix, if they play all their guys, will be favored uh, in Vegas at tip-off. But not by a ton, I wouldn't think. It's still a very winnable game for Atlanta. And they go to they actually have to go to Indiana after that. And the Pacers gave up about a million points tonight. So that's a, a weird game on Thursday looming. But still, six to go. Um, home game, home game Wednesday, road game Thursday, and then back home for the last four games in a row, and uh, that's pretty fortunate in itself. Last thing before we get out of here, the Hawks announced on Tuesday, sorry, on Monday, that they were going to be increasing attendance capacity to seven thousand six twenty-five in the postseason. That's about forty-five percent of the full capacity of State Farm Arena. That's the third time that they've upped it. They went from zero to thirteen hundred to three thousand is what is where it is right now. Um, this is obviously more than double that. They'll have a uh, separate area for vaccinated fans, but without social distancing, they're going to take away those uh, bizarre uh, advertising boards behind the benches, which is definitely good for everybody's viewpoints. Uh, I definitely enjoy that personally, but masks still require all that stuff. So that's the latest on that, but it'll be a little bit more rocking um, for playoff slash postseason atmosphere for the Hawks, which is a very nice thing to have if you enjoy that kind of atmosphere. So a lot of positives, six games to go. If the Hawks can just go out and post like four and two, five and one, they'll be in fantastic shape. 4-5 matchup, all that stuff. We'll have plenty of time to get into it, but uh, 
a nice night for the Hawks at the office here. And 36 and 30, given all the injuries, I don't want to be, I don't be a broken record, but given all the injuries, that's a heck of a run. So credit to everyone involved for all that. Um, subscribe to the podcast if you've not done that already, or follow whichever wording you like to use about the podcast. Um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, podcast platform of choice. We should be there. If we're not, so let me know that and I will get that fixed for you. Um, rate, review as well. Tell your friends about the podcast. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Hawks. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland and we will see you later on this week.